You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. I want to take a moment this morning and talk about God's plan for spiritual growth in our lives. See, seeing people go public with their faith is a moment to celebrate what, what, what Christ has already done within their lives. It's a, it's a reminder for us who are watching that Jesus is still the hope of the world and that the gospel is still changing people's hearts and lives. We're able to witness that today. So this morning as we celebrate the work that God has already done in the lives of these eight individuals, I want to remind you that God's work is just beginning in their lives. Just beginning. See, because placing one's faith in Jesus isn't the finish line. It's the starting line. Placing one's faith in Jesus isn't, okay, I believed in Jesus, there's nothing else I have to do, I'm good to go. Placing one's faith, that moment when you say, I, I cannot save myself, and I need to turn to a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting not in my good works, but I'm trusting in what God has done on my behalf. That moment when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and as God's word says, that moment when you, when you become a child of God, that is not the end. That is the beginning. See, guys, baptism and the birth of a baby are times of new beginnings. There are a lot of similarities. And no, not just because both can be done in a tub. Some of you guys will do that. That's cool. I'm hospitaling it up all the way. We're not doing anything in my bathtub. But for some people, that, that's their thing. It's not because you can have a baby in there. Baptism is a time for new beginnings, but the work there isn't done. Think, think about this. When a baby is born, there is physical work. Men, right? Physical work. Ladies, right? Physical work. But the moment that you have a child is a very, it's a special, it's an anticipated moment, but you don't say, all right, I'm done. We did it. We have a kid. Those of you parents, those of you who have raised kids, have been around kids, know that, listen, your work is just beginning. You have to teach that kid so many things. You have to nourish them. You have to make sure they're fed. You have to make sure their diapers change. As they grow up, you have to, you have to raise them up to, to know what is right and wrong, to know what is acceptable and unacceptable to put in the potty, to do all those things. Parents, you're walking through teenage years with them and teaching them, teaching, teaching your kids what it's like to face disappointment and loss and mis-expectations. Man, and even, even after 18 or 19 or 20, when your kids have moved out of the house, like, it's still work to be a parent. We're, we're not there yet with our kids, but we understand that even when they move on, even when they get married, even, even when they go and start a career, listen, you're still their parents. There's still work that can be done. I'm not talking about, you know, cradling them and hovering over them for their entire lives. But listen, you're still their parent. There's still work. And just as we celebrated eight people taking their public steps of faith and identifying with that Jesus is the savior of their sins and the leader of their lives, there is still work to be done. So this morning, I want to focus on what that work looks like and what exactly does that entail for the church. But I want, to, 
I want to remind you of one thing as we get started. Listen, God doesn't call us to make converts. God calls us to raise disciples. See, God never called us to say, okay, people have trusted in Christ. Church, your work is done. God calls us to raise them up in the faith. Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission passage, says go into all the world and make what? Make disciples. It doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Church, Jesus' call to the church today is that we would help people find and follow Jesus. So in the moments when someone comes to faith and they make that, that next step of baptism, listen, it's just the starting line. There is more work to be done. So this morning, I want to take a few moments and remind you of God's desire for every person who calls himself a follower of Jesus and God's design to help them grow in their faith. So turn with me, if you have a copy of God's Word, to Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, that's cool. You can grab one of the Black Pew Bibles. They're right in front of you. Turn it to page 977. And you'll be able to follow along with us as we, just, as we read a few verses and dig into um, our main passage here today. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. It says this, and, and he being God, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the faith and, of, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 goes and says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. See, church, here we see God's desire for spiritual growth. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, listen, God gave the church. He said he gave apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds and pastors. God gave, God gave men, God gave leaders for the church to equip the body of Christ so that they can do the work of the ministry. And Paul answers the question there, well, what is the work of the ministry. What exactly are pastors supposed to equip people to do? And it says it right here in, in, in verse 12 and 13. It says, listen, the church is here to help people grow up in their faith. The church, you guys, are supposed to have an ample part in helping someone else take their next steps of faith as they follow after Jesus. Something else we see here is that, listen, that God's desire is for all of us to grow in our walk with him. No one here, no one here is okay to get saved and never grow in their walk with, with the Lord. God desires something better for you. 
Simply, God welcomes us where we are, but doesn't expect us to stay there. God, see, God welcomes us where we are. This isn't one of those things, I need to change my life before I come to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you believe that, man, God would never accept me as I am. I have all these hang-ups. I have all these habits. I have all these things that, that I do that I know I need to clean up first. And then, and then I'll come to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that anyone who comes to Christ, anyone who puts their faith and trust in Christ, no matter what they're doing, no matter what their past is like, can have eternal life and a relationship with God the moment that they trust Jesus and him alone for, for their salvation. That very moment, your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit indwells your hearts. And eternal life is guaranteed for you forevermore. But God doesn't expect you to stay there. God expects your life to change and grow and be different. And man, and it's been so awesome already to hear the testimonies of, of, of those being baptized today and watch their lives already as they have turned from sin, as they have become more committed to God's word. We're already seeing growth already begin to occur, and that is such an encouraging thing to see. But God will welcome you wherever you're at, but God doesn't expect you to stay there. And so, okay, this is God's desire, right? Okay, God wants me to grow. God wants me um, to grow closer to him. God wants me to have a, a more biblical worldview. God wants me to respond to persecution and hardship and trials more like Jesus Christ. But how does that happen? What exactly has God designed, what has God given me, given us, so that we can have spiritual growth? Well, let, let me tell you. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Again, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Guys, God gave the other people in this room to help you grow spiritually. See, and in a culture where we are so individualistic, where we think that this is my walk with God, and I'm solely responsible, and I need to pray, and I need to read God's word, and I need to serve, and I need to know my spiritual gifts. All of those things are true, but listen, God uses the body of Christ to bring about growth. God uses other people in this room, other people in the body of Christ, so that you can take steps in your spiritual growth. I want you guys to do something. I want you to, to look to the person on your left and say, God brought you here to help me grow. Do it. All right, let's alternate. People on your right, turn around and say, God put you here to help me grow. There's a lot of laughter. Maybe you're like, I don't know this guy. Nope. But it's true. It's true. God brought us here, and God put you guys here to help me grow and to help Pastor Mike grow and Pastor Dan grow. And you think, man, God's got to do a lot of stuff. But this is God's design for your growth and for my growth and for your growth. And it begins with the other people in this room right now. 
That is God's design for spiritual growth. Now listen, this can seem super intimidating. And it is. Thinking, wait, wait, my spiritual walk, I am responsible for other people's growth to be more and more like Jesus. That is terrifying. But today I want to give you two very practical ways that you can be that you can be an encouragement and that you can help someone else take the next step in their walk with Christ. The first one simply is this. First one, God calls us to, he says, God calls us to be an example. God calls us to be an example. Now, as I, as I, every time I prepare a sermon, I talk it through with our kids first for a couple reasons. One, I was like, listen, they need to be able to understand it. And two, I am learning. My kids are way better. They're far greater at thinking of ways to illustrate things than I am. So I was going to have that. I thought it was this illustration of the great composer. Um, what is his name? I don't even. <laughs> Johann. It's terrible. This is how much I don't like some of my illustrations. Like, I don't even remember him. All right. Johann Sebastian Bach. Great composer, right? So when, when Bach was growing up, when Bach was growing up, um, he learned how to compose by watching, watching someone else, a great, a great, a great organist. But, and he just watched them over and over and over again. And, I, and, I, and I'm telling this to the kids, and Jackson's like, Dad, it's just YouTube. It is YouTube all the time. That's all we need. No one cares about Johann Sebastian Bach, or if you do, that's cool. I personally don't. I just forgot his name. <laughs> but think about it. When you need to learn something, where do you normally go? YouTube. Why? Because not only do you need to, you can read about things, how to do things. I want to, I'm a very visual learner. I need to see something happen. Every time I've tried to fix something in my house, which is very limited because I'm not super handy, um, I will watch a ton of YouTube videos. I think I watched three hours of how to replace a toilet before I did it. And it's like, oh, wow, look at all these things, whatever. But like you, you learn things by watching them. Guys, we live in a YouTube society. Well, think about this. How is someone going to learn how to follow Jesus who just came to know and meet him? By watching other people. They learn how to follow after Christ by watching other people follow after Christ. And Paul knew this exactly. Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 12, uh, Paul is writing, writing to, to, to young Timothy here, and he says, Let no one despise you for your youth. But say, say it with me. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He says, listen, says, let no one look down upon how old or how young you are, but set an example for them. In speech, how you talk. In conduct, how you behave. In love, the things that motivate you. In, in faith, the ways that you trust God. And in purity, how you respond to a, to a sinful, godless culture out there. He says, but set an example for them. Think about this. There is always someone watching. Always. I'm noticing more and more as our kids grow up. Man, my youngest is just like me. 
And not just the things that he says and the, thing, the way he acts, just simple things like how he walks and the way that he puts his hands in his pockets. I was sitting there t- talking with someone. I think we're, we're like at a, at a park, and I have my hands in my pockets like this. I look over at my four-year-old, and he's got his hands in his pockets like this. Like he's that from me, just from watching his dad. I think it's cool. It's not, but for now, for him, it is. <laughs> but listen, someone always is watching. And so guys, we, we could dig into this verse a whole lot more, but let me just leave you with this little phrase. Simply, be someone worth following. Be someone worth following. The first way that you and I can help someone else follow after Jesus is that you are someone worth following. That means that you are taking strides in your own walk with Christ. That you are spending time in God's word every day. That when when hardships come, when trials come, that you respond in trust and faith and believing that God is doing something here, even if I don't understand it and even if I don't like it. You literally just set an example of what's going on. This means two things. One, it means that connection has got to go beyond what happens on a Sunday morning. We have got to open up our lives, open up our hearts, open up our homes to other followers of Jesus. So that they can see how, they, how you raise your kids. How they can, they can see how you welcome people who maybe haven't come to faith yet. To see how you pray. To see how you spend your free time. To see you really in the shadows of ministry here. And listen, I've had some, some great mentors and people that have stepped up in my life. But most of them, you would never know. You'd never recognize their names. You would never know their story. They're simply just faithful followers of Jesus. Who have committed themselves to a local body of believers. And have committed to opening up their hearts, their homes, and their lives to someone who needed guidance. Someone who needed an example. So listen, be someone worth following. Second thing that God calls us to do is simply be an encouragement. Be an encouragement. See, many churches are in need of what every football team has. What are they? Cheerleaders. Well, you guys said it first. All right, guys, you hear that? Mike, Dan, not my idea, their idea. We need cheerleaders. I guess, I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble for that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, every church needs tea leaders. Why? For encouragement. Their literal job is what? Doesn't matter how bad their team is losing. Doesn't matter if they're down 50 to nothing. They're going to be out there doing their thing, trying to cheer on the, the fans there and, and their team. That's all they do. Not all they do. I don't want to sound downgrading to cheerleaders. There's a cheerleader here. That's great. That's cool. We appreciate you guys. <laughs> but that's all it is. It is just simply coming alongside of people and encouraging them. 
Church, far too often, our, our churches have been places where instead of being finding encouragement, we're finding discouragement. Instead of lifting each other up, we are breaking each other down. We, all of us, need someone at some point in our lives to come alongside and say, listen, you got this. I'm here with you. And we're, we're going to walk through this thing together. Simply be an encouragement. I'm going to give you two practical ways that you can encourage other people in their faith. One is this. Simply show up. Show up. Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not ignoring to meet together, as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Guys, the easiest way to encourage someone in their walk with God is to do what, what you guys have done this morning. Show up to church. Show up. And this isn't like a pastor's plea, hey, we want, we want the biggest crowd on every single Sunday. It's not about that. Because listen, when you decide to show up here, to get involved, to share your heart, to sing, to serve, to listen to God's word together, you know what that does? It shows other followers of Christ that this matters. That the gathering is important. That the gathering of believers is a special time where we come together, we worship the Lord, we hear from his word, we serve each other, we bear each other's burdens. So simply show up. Make it a priority on, on, on your calendar. I'm not saying you got to be here every single Sunday. Or am I? I'm just kidding. I don't know. If, listen, if you're sick, if you're on vacation, it's cool. It's fine. We get that. But make the gathering here a priority. Guard that, that, that day on your calendar. No, I found something that, that I do just on my personal calendar. If something is already there, I'm not going to schedule anything else. So if I have, if I have predetermined family time that's already on my calendar, it makes it, it makes it really easy when someone else says something, be like, my calendar is already full that day. Mark Sunday mornings on your calendar. There is nowhere else I would rather be than right here with God's people. Simply show up. Next thing that God calls us to do is to speak up. Speak up. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Those three words, exhorted, encouraged, and charged, are all Three different ways that you can encourage someone else. See, that first word, the word exhort, literally means to, to come alongside of someone with the truth of God's word, with the hope of the gospel, and say, hey, this area of your life right now is not lining up with this. Listen, before you get all crazy, I could never do that. Understand a couple things. One, we all have places in our lives where our lives do not line up with God's word. All of us. I don't care if you're a pastor, an elder, a deacon. I don't care what you are. We all have room to grow. Let's just put that, put that on, on, on our radar right away. But not only do we all have room to grow, 
but God's word is sufficient. The gospel, hope of the gospel is sufficient to meet those every, those every need, that every area of growth. And so what Paul is saying here is like, listen, we came to you with the hope of God's word, with the truth of God's word, and when, when we're seeing people falter, we're going to speak up about it. We're going to confront sin lovingly. Can you guys say lovingly with me? Lovingly. But we're going to confront it. Let me just ask you, what, what, what is more loving? If someone is hanging on for dear life on a cliff, is it more loving to reach down and, and, and lift them up or, or just to, to leave them there? No, you're going to lift them up. When someone is falling into sin, the, the most loving thing you can do is recognize it, go to God's word, and bring that to them. That's what exhortation is all about. It's warning people that, hey, you continue down this path. Like you're going to face painful consequences, and God wants something better for you. So we exhort people. Second thing we do is that we encourage people. That word encourage literally means to come alongside someone, put your arm around them, and say, hey, I'm here for you, and it's going to be okay. Now, this isn't just throwing out meaning, meaningless words to people just to make them feel good. One of, one of our favorite movies as a family is this movie called uh, per, per, uh, Talk Dave, Use Your Mouth. Parental Guidance. There it is. Parental Guidance. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Great movie. So, so awesome. But part of that movie, there, there are these two siblings and they're fighting. And the one, the parent says, say something nice. You have to say three things. It's like, I love your hair, I love your shoes, I love your face, or whatever. Listen, this isn't what that is. People can sense if you're just like talking with no substance. So I'm not saying just encourage people with nothing there. But it's, it's coming alongside of someone. Putting your arm around them is like, I see God working in this way in your life. And it's awesome. And, and what you're going through right now is hard. And what you're going through right now is difficult. But know that you're loved and know that God is working. If you just have that little phrase... I see God working in your life this way. And you fill in the blank. The encouragement there is incredible. Because it lets people know, I'm not doing this by myself. And maybe 400 people in a room this size, maybe they don't know everything that's going on, but maybe a few people do. And they, and they walk along with you. As, as you journey in, into finding new ways to follow Jesus in more areas of your life, and the last thing that Paul does here is that he charges people. The word charged literally means to testify. So when I think of the word charge, I would normally think of, ah, he's, he's getting at him now. This is it. He's yelling at him. No, it's not, not that at all. Charge literally means this is how God worked in my life. It is sharing your own personal story of how God came through for you. Sometimes that is all people need. To recognize I'm not alone. To recognize that the same God I'm serving worked this way in this person's life. And I'm not guaranteeing that God is always going to work one-to-one -one or A-to-A -A or B-to-B. But, but what I am saying is this. Is that when we charge people, when we share our stories, when we share what God is, has done in my life and your life, 
it encourages other people to say, God is still at work. And even if he doesn't do exactly what, they, what happened in that person's life, God is still active. God isn't dead. God is still working. So he says, be an encouragement. Exhort them, encourage them, charge them that God is still at work. So it's a practical thing as we finish up this point. Literally it's just, listen, be someone's biggest cheerleader, not their harshest critic. This week, be someone's cheerleader, not their harshest critic. Step out and encourage them in some way. Listen, too many of us walk around our church, they, we walk around social media just waiting for people to slip up so, so, you can, so, you, so that you can crush them. Instead of doing that, I'm not saying not call out people and whatever else, but listen, before you call them out, cheer them on first. Be their biggest fan, their biggest cheerleader. This church, for too many years, the church has been known for a place of tearing people down instead of building people up. People have turned their back on their walk with God because of something done or said to them. Can, do you realize that? People have walked away from the faith because of how someone else responded to their hurts, responded to their need, did not, did not, did not respond in a loving way. People have walked away from the Christian faith because of what someone else has done. The more and more I'm reading about people that have deconstructed their faith and walked away from it, it's mostly is never about some, some doctrine or, or theology. It's about how someone responded to them. How we respond to people matter. It matters how we go about treating each other. But just imagine... Just imagine if this place, the Spirit of God worked here, and this place was a place where people cared for each other, took responsibility for each other, and lived not for themselves but for the benefit of others. And I believe that God can do just that. I believe that God can make this be a place where people feel loved, where people feel encouraged, where people are encouraged to take their next step in their walk with Jesus. And we celebrate that. And we've seen that already today. We need to keep that up. Guys, I have been involved in, in different congregations and hearing things from different churches. And one thing that I rejoice about what God is doing here is, is, is the, the spirit of encouragement that we do have, that we celebrate when people get baptized, that we celebrate when people come to faith, that we do lift people up. I'm not saying that we do a bad job of this. I'm just saying let's keep that up. Let's continue being someone's cheerleader instead of their harshest, harshest critics. So this brings us back to the point we all started with. Guys, guys placing one's faith in Jesus isn't the finish line. It's the starting line. It's the starting line. Church, today is just the beginning of what I pray is a spiritual revival and renewal where we have more and more of these days where we get to celebrate people that have placed their faith in Christ and that we get to walk along with them afterwards, recognizing that the work isn't done, but recognizing that, hey, the work is, is still ahead, but we're going to rejoice in that work as we help people find and follow Jesus week in and week out. 
So where, where does that leave you today? Where does that leave you personally? For some of you here, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there has not been much movement since then. And I think one of the reasons why that is, one of the reasons why there hasn't been much growth is that you have not availed yourself to the beauty of the body of Christ. Listen, you say, hey, I'm, I'm introverted. That's not my thing. I get that. I'm a natural introvert. Crowds scare the dickens out of me. But God's design is that we live together in community. I'm not saying that you need to get up here and share your story with 400 people, but I am saying this. Is there one person that God has placed in your life that you can just walk with, that you can do life together? And for some of you here, maybe you've been pushing up against that for a long time and saying, God, I don't want to do that. It's scary. I don't want to open up my life. I don't want to to get connected with other people. I'm saying, take that step. Trust that God is going to use that to spur your spiritual walk on. And for some of you here, you you have walked a long time with Jesus. And you've been an example, and that you've been an encouragement. I just, want to, I just want to ask you to continue to do just that. Just simply ask yourself the question, who has God brought into my life that I can continue to pour my life into? Because I really think the healthy view that God has in the form of body life is this, is that you have one person above you pouring into you. One person that's maybe farther along in their walk with God. One person that is that whether it's older than you or just has, has matured in their walk with God, that you cling to that person and says, will you please just pray with me? Just pray. And see, and just do life together and see what happens. But have one person that is pouring into you and the, in the very same moment, you have someone else that you're pouring into them. So you have the, this spiritual maturity trickling down as you're being invested in, you're investing in someone else. And maybe for some of you, it's, it, it's one of those eight individuals that, that were baptized today. Now, I would encourage you to keep, to keep your bulletin today, because on the back of that bulletin are the names of, of the eight people that got baptized today. And I would encourage you to pray. Not only pray for their spiritual growth, not only pray as they continue to follow after Jesus, but pray, God, is there something that I can do to encourage them in their walk with God? Whether it's, whether it's shooting them a card, whether it's checking in on them um, every so often, or maybe for you it's, it's doing life together, it's join, joining a life group, joining a small group, having them over for dinner, whatever it may be. But who can I, who has God placed in my life that I can make an impact for eternity with? Because I'm not going to, belabor this anymore. But church, I am praying that God uses this day as the beginning of something fresh and new here. That we can come alongside people. That we recognize that this work isn't done. That there's more people that need to find Jesus and there's more people that need to be encouraged in their own walk with God. And I think God's going to use you in an amazing way. So I'm going to invite the praise team forward as we just kind of close up our, our, our time here today. I'm also going to, going to invite uh, our, our elders forward as well. 
our elders and their spouses for it as well. Church, something that we just feel pressed, pressed to do as a church is this understanding that, hey, as we open up God's word, this is, this is, this is what God has for our lives today. And it's hard, and there's faith that needs to be involved, and there's steps that need to be taken. So if you're here today and you just need, and you just need prayer over something that was talked about today, we, our elders would love to be able to pray with you and just encourage you in those things. Maybe you're here today, and we've talked a lot about a relationship with Jesus, but you would like to know more about that. You know that there's been a time in your life where there hasn't been a time in your life where you've turned from your sin and turned to what Jesus has done. We would encourage you. We would love to be able to pray with you and, and just explain to you more what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Listen, we, we have these, these packets right down here with some information that, that does just that. And we'd love for you to either come up and and during the song, we'd love to talk with you. Or if afterwards, you just want to come up and grab one of these, you can mark it on, on your Connect card. But hey, we would love to connect and pray. Or maybe you're here today and you're just hurting. And you just need someone to come alongside you, to encourage you, to pray over you. Our elders would love to be able to do that with you here this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray over you guys. And then Pastor Dan and the worship team is going to lead us in one more song today. So Heavenly Father, God, Lord, you are good, and your design, Lord, is best, Father. And you desire, God, for us to grow up in our, in our walk with you. Your, your desire is that we would take more steps in following after your son, Jesus. And God, I just pray today, God, that you would do a work here within our midst as we are an example and an encouragement to others, God. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd work. God, I pray for those who may be here today searching for the truth. God, you love them, and you sent your son Jesus to die for them. And I pray, God, that today would be the day where they surrender their lives to you, Father. God, I pray for those who are hurting, God. I pray, Lord, that they would seek help, God, encouragement, Lord. Prayer is such a big part of that. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you would meet people where they are today, and that we'd be able to minister to their souls. We love you, God. And we pray all these things in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.